You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. And I am really excited to begin a new series with you on the I Am statements in the New Testament. It's been a difficult time just now, hasn't it? But God has really been impressing on us all that we can use this time to get closer to him and uh, spend more time with him. So uh, I was really drawn to these uh, statements and I was I was really struck by the fact that these statements come from a God utterance in the Old Testament so that when we consider the name Moses was told by God was his name, the I am statements of Jesus bring a whole new dimension to what Jesus was really saying about himself. They're more than just about the character of the God man, which is maybe, if I'm honest, how I really um, thought of them in the past. I was aware of Moses and the story that he has when God gave him his name. But um, I don't think I really put the two together. So I've been really excited about these I am statements and what Jesus was saying while he was on earth. So we were introduced to Moses right at the start of the book of Exodus and uh, in chapter two. And we probably all know the story of Moses really well. Um, I think it's a story that, you know, is used in schools and um, we all probably know something about Moses, even if we haven't been brought up in church. But we will know the story of his birth and, and uh, the fact that he was hidden in the bulrushes and the princess uh, took him to bring him up in the palace. We know about him fleeing to Midian because of what he did to an Egyptian. Uh, we know about his marriage to Zipporah and the birth of his son. And then everything comes into play because he has this encounter with the living God and he's called to return to Egypt and lead the children of Israel out of slavery and into the promised land. And I am so blessed to realise that this was when Moses was a really old man. Oh, shouldn't say that though, because we've got quite a few people who are turning his age this year and I don't really think about them as being really, really old. Um, but it goes to show that God can use anyone um, from any generation and that he has plans and purposes um, for us all. So Moses is 80 at this time and he hears God speak from a burning bush which isn't being consumed by flames, which all of us would say was quite extraordinary. So he sees this burning bush and he realises that nothing is um, being burnt. So he goes closer and, of course, God calls to him and calls to him because he wants him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses, we remember as a great leader, um, but he was also a very reluctant leader. He was not seeking any kind of leadership role. He avoided it at all costs. In fact, even when God was speaking to him about becoming the leader, he was not for it whatsoever and tried to pass it on to someone else. So first of all, we see that he's worried about how he could ever go to the mighty Pharaoh. And, you know, even when he's given assurance that God will go with him, he's then worried sick about why the Israelites would ever believe that he's a credible man who has really 
heard God speak, and God gives him to reassure him his name, God's name. He gives it to encourage Moses that they will listen, because he says, I am is the one who is sending him. God says, this is my name, the name for which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. We read that in Exodus 3 and 15. And that's exactly what he was called by the Israelites down through the ages. I am. What does it mean? It means nothing and no one else. No one is like him. No one is able to do the things he does. No one can stand up to him in any way whatsoever. He is God, Jehovah. I am. If we fast forward to the start of the New Testament, we see Jesus shock those stand, standing and listening to him when he says these words about himself. In John 8 and 58, he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. So if we think this is a Jewish crowd that he's speaking to, a Jewish crowd who knew Jehovah as I am, it's hardly surprising that in the next verse we read about them wanting to stone him. This is Jesus telling everyone he's the son of God. The Jews insist he's the son of Joseph, but he's the son of God. If we go back a couple of chapters to John chapter 6, we find the first statement Jesus makes using the I am terminology when he says, I am the bread of life. And that's what I want us to look at today. Let's read it in John chapter 6. It's verses 25 through to 35. And I'm reading from New, New International Version. Remember, um, this is the happening straight after, the day after uh, the feeding of the 5,000, when 5,000 men, not including women and children, were all fed from those five little barley loaves and two tiny fish. So the crowd are still looking for him. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires of us. You see, they're still thinking they can work to receive God's forgiveness and new life because that's what they've been taught all their lives by the rabbis. But we know that no one is good enough to do that. No one can get into heaven on their own merit because we all have a sin problem. Carry on in, in John, uh, John chapter 6. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. That's it. So simple. That's the work. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him, what miraculous sign will you, you give then that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Wow, it's a bold, bold claim to make to a Jewish crowd. And know what? He can make it because he knows exactly who he is. Bread is known as the food that keeps everyone alive. Of course, nowadays, with so many culinary delights, and for us, it's not often that we know hunger, not real hunger. But bread still remains something we all have in our homes in one form or another. However, people who have nothing want bread because it's the primary source of nourishment. It's a staple food, and that means, according to the dictionary, a food that makes up the dominant part of a population's diet. And actually, I'm sure we would say it's a, a staple food today in Great Britain. There'll be very few of us listening to this today who don't have bread um, in their cupboard. But here is the bread of life, not a physical food to keep the body alive, but a person, the Son of God, who gives life, not only to the Jews in the form of manna in the wilderness, as Jesus did through Moses, but to the whole world. He's there for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. Food for the body sustains the body, but the food Jesus is talking about gives life, gives life in abundance, gives life, eternal life. These words enshrine the essence of the whole of Jesus' message. He's coming with the answer to the needs of the human heart, the human heart in Jesus' day, the human heart in our day. He has the, the answer to all our needs. I said that we in Britain today have so much food to choose from. But think of this. It's highlighted by Bruce Milne in his commentary on John's Gospel. And I thought it was really telling. He says caviar, like cake and confectionery, is for the few. But bread is for all. Jesus' claim to be the bread of life is universal. He is for absolutely everyone, regardless of who they are. So I'd like us just to think for a few moments about what that means for the world today and how it really applies to us in 2021. And I've got three points I want to make for you. The first is Jesus is the source of life. He brings life. The second Jesus is the sustainer of life. And number three, Jesus gives satisfaction in life. So number one, Jesus is the source of life. If we look back at John's Gospel, right at the beginning in chapter one, he talks, he talks about the word. Verse three, he says, through him all things were made. Nothing was made that has been made. And he says, it's Jesus who's the word spoken of here. And he was with God in the very beginning. All things were made by him. So that's all life. Plants, animals, birds, fish, and also human beings. All life was made by God. We believe that. We believe Genesis. I don't think this is against what science would say, but that's a discussion for another day. 
John, who was with Jesus on earth, right at the start of his gospel, says in verse 4, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He's talking about the man he spent three years with. He's aware Jesus is so much more than a man, even a good man. He's the God-man. He knows that in his heart. He's the God-man, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Modern day society has ventured far from valuing life in the way God intended. We can be really shocked by some of the, the laws that we see we, we see being confirmed nowadays. When we think about some of the pro-life groups, we can understand exactly why they exist. But if looked back through history, man has never valued life in the way God intended. Man treats man abominably. You know, God created man, gave him life and loved him so much that even when it all went wrong, he sent his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to give real and lasting life, not only for the body, but for the soul and the spirit as well. Number two, Jesus is the sustainer of life. Bread, food is vital to sustain life. You know, the human body can go for a little while without food, but strength is whacked by lack of food. Health, including mental and physical health, is impaired greatly when it goes for too long without food. The human body is not made to go without food for long periods of time. No one can live long without food. For short periods, it can be quite healthy. We've just had a week of prayer and fasting, of course. The prayer part is always the most important part. But the not eating, not, you know, not having to prepare food. It focused our minds on bringing the needs of our world, our nation, our town, our community, our families and friends to God, particularly at the, in the midst of this pandemic. And we would all say it was very worthwhile, wasn't it? Jesus talking about being the bread of life comes right after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 uh, from five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is intensely aware that the crowds coming to hear him weren't coming to hear him, but to be fed. Do you know, they weren't even all that interested in seeing miracles happen. They just wanted to be filled with food again. I think it's hard for us to really understand just what food would mean to a lot of the people in these crowds. Sometimes they had nothing. So if they've got if they were able to eat and have their fill, which, which they did from this amazing miracle, they, they 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 were up for it. And they weren't really seeing that Jesus was offering so much more. Of course eating is very necessary. But Jesus wanted them to be more concerned about having food that endures and brings eternal life. He can bring it. He can give it to them. But he longs that this would be the food for the spirit that they were so anxious to receive. The crowd began by seeking Jesus. But then they started to look for a sign from him. The miracles weren't enough. And that was because the rabbis taught that when Messiah came, he would duplicate the miracle of the manna. For them to have any hope of going to heaven when they died was all about the works that they did on earth. They needed to hear what they, what, what they needed to do. So they were looking for a duplication of the miracle of the manna. 
And we've talked already about Moses and the people of Israel in the wilderness. We know that God solves the food problem by providing food each day for everyone while they travelled in the desert. But here, the people are looking for an exact duplication of that miracle so that they could see it and believe it. The other signs they were seeing didn't seem to matter, but it was a lot to do with what they thought was going to happen. And, you know, faith based on signs alone and not on the truth of the word of God is really dangerous. If we look at scripture, we see the devil mimicking signs and wonders all the time. When Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh the first time to demand he let the people of Israel go, Pharaoh's sorcerers were able to throw their staffs on the ground and have them turn to serpents too, exactly the same as Moses had shown them. The signs are not the important part. It's the truth of God's word we need to be seeking. The quotation in John 6 and 31, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's from Psalm 78 and 24. And that's a psalm that's recording the unbelief and the rebellion of the nations of Israel. In his reply, Jesus is seeking to deepen the people's understanding of the truth. It wasn't Moses who gave them food. It was God. God wasn't going to give them manna in the same form again. He was offering true bread in the person of his son. Warren Wearsby, favourite commentator of mine, as you'll know, um, compares the manna to Jesus in ten ways. And it's definitely food for thought, if you'll pardon the pun. Manna came from heaven at night. Jesus came from heaven when men were in darkness. Manna fell on the Jew. Jesus came, born of the Spirit of God. Manna was not defiled by the earth. Jesus was sinless, separate from sinners. Manna was small, round and white, suggesting Jesus' humility, eternality and purity. Manna was sweet to the taste. Oh, Jesus is sweet to those who trust him. Manna had to be taken and eaten. Jesus must be received and appropriated by faith. Manna came as a free gift. Jesus is the free gift of God to the world. Manna was sufficient for all. Jesus is sufficient for all. Manna, if you didn't pick it up, you walked on it. If you don't receive Jesus, you reject him and walk on him. Manna was wilderness food. Jesus is our food on our earthly wilderness journey to heaven. There are many examples of God providing food when it was needed for people to survive. I'm, I'm thinking of a favourite scripture story of mine about Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. But you know, offering people his son is always the best gift of all. Jesus gives and sustains eternal life. He came to the sun-cursed earth because there was no other way to bring you and I back to know God. And it's so interesting that he came to Bethlehem, which of course means house of bread. Coincidence? Ah, no, of course not. God always has such a mighty plan of grace. Bread plays an important role each week for us as we remember his death and resurrection by engaging in communion, the bread and the wine. He is the bread of life and all we have to do is believe and receive. He's a sustainer of life. Not only do we just believe it and receive it, 
You know, he's with us all the time, taking us on in him, sustaining us, looking out for us. He's amazing. And finally, number three, Jesus gives satisfaction in life. People would like to tell you that becoming a Christian will take so much away from you. Oh my goodness, the opposite is true. He gives so much meaning to life. He really is the amazing son of God living within us and, and allowing us to experience life in all its fullness. You know, men and women are always looking for the next thing in life. If only I had that house or that car or that job, then I would be satisfied. But you know, it never works out that way. We see the rich and famous and we think they have it all. And then we're shocked when we see the number of suicides, drug overdoses, lives messed up and ruined among these people. Because all the money in the world will never be enough to fill the empty space inside our hearts because it's God-shaped and only God can fill it. And we know that when we're on this side and we realise that we, we know God, we know that satisfaction in our lives, even when we don't have much, even when things are not all going our way, we know that he's for us and he's with us. He's the only one who gives life, who sustains life and who gives eternal satisfaction. Coming and believing was so simple for that crowd. Coming and believing is so simple for all of us today. There are no gimmicks. There's no complicated religious ceremonies. There's no complicated rituals. Jesus simply says, come to me and never go hungry again. I can tell you it's truth. So simple. Just come to him. Believe he's the son of God. Ask him into your life. He'll forgive your every sin and make you clean and new. And that's it you'll be setting out on a whole new journey with Jesus travelling with you. So many people think having eternal life depends on doing good things, just as the Jewish people thought in Jesus' day. But Jesus says, come to me. That's all. You'll never be good enough to win a place in heaven because we all have a basic sin problem. But Jesus is the Son of God and he the sinless one has done it all for us at Calvary. And now he simply says, come. John 6 and 35 is the first of the eight I am statements in the New Testament. God revealed himself to Moses by name. I am. God is the self-existing one who is, was, is to come. In Revelation 1 and verse 8. When Jesus used the term, I am, he was definitely claiming to be God. Every time Jesus says, I am, he shows he is God. And I look forward to sharing the next one with you soon. So may God bless you and encourage you as you hear Jesus say to you, I am the bread of life, come. Make sure you respond to him, eternal life depends on it. Amen.